Have you ever seen this verse before in the Word? It's perfect for today. Persecuted church, praying for, when you look at the list that Chase has given you or passed out, remember this verse. Remember them that are in bonds as bound with them, and them which suffer adversity as being yourselves also in the body. That's your brothers and sisters. Thousands and thousands of miles away, but someday you'll be standing beside them singing the glories of God in heaven. So please remember them today and on and on and on. Every time I see something about voices of martyrs and those who are being persecuted, I just see how weak we are. How weak the American church is. Let's stand. I'm going to go before the Lord. Alan. This morning, um, we're going to look at what's supposed to be normal Christianity. Normal Christianity. And I have to say that today what we have in our nation is no longer normal. Now, if you have been born again into this recently or as far back as I can go, which is probably, geez, 38 years now, I've been attempting to serve the Lord. Christianity has changed, changed uh, greatly. And this message and this thought of this idea came from uh, seeing various things sometimes on uh, the History Channel. They were talking about the golden age of baseball. And that's back when I played ball, the golden age. And I'm from Pittsburgh, and I was talking to somebody who uh, knew about the, the Pittsburgh team. Um, actually, I think it was Becky, I think it was your husband. And we were just naming off all the old pirates from years ago. Uh, just first baseman, second baseman, shortstop, third base, all of them. I can remember Roberto Clemente sitting behind him in right field. I would go almost uh, all the time because we lived down there. And um, I can remember when Roberto Clemente, and before it was probably late 60s, maybe 1970, received the salary for $125,000, and it absolutely shocked everybody. It was like the golden era where you knew every player all the time was always going to be there. And now it's not like that anymore. You can come up with a good ball player in your farm team. Now, we are going to talk about church here. You can talk about that he comes up in this farm team, and all of a sudden you pay him so much money, and he does real good that year. And some other team comes along and offers him... Uh, a million dollars more than you can, or whatever it is, and he's gone. There's there's no loyalty at all, and so your teams are constantly changing, and we've lost that golden age of baseball. We've lost it. This is the same thing that has happened to Christianity in our, our country. Not overseas, where we see these people that risk their lives just to say they love Jesus, or just the name of Jesus. But in here, in our nation, we have mixed it, it has become mixed. There was a time when people, the immigrants, would flow to this nation and they knew that Jesus Christ was Lord. They knew that Christmas was hallowed, that Easter was hallowed, these were untouchable holidays. They knew that Merry Christmas was okay to say and on and on. Now it's all mixed and all different, is it not? It absolutely is. The other day, I was a little surprised to see Salvation Army dinging their bells, but that's the time of the year and I got my dollar out and I was putting my dollar in and he went, Happy Holidays! And I went, Merry Christmas! And he went, Merry Christmas! And the idea is Salvation Army. Understand, that's a church. That was moved by people, that was started by people who loved God, born again believers. Catherine Booth and that whole group. He's not allowed to say Merry Christmas first! Unless you say it first. They have to say Happy 
holidays. So what I'm saying is those golden ages, those mixtures, they ruin things. And this is what's happened in our nation today. What we call Americans now, what we call Christianity, I'm telling you, it's not. We got to get back to it. We got to get back. And I believe that God is calling this church to do that. And I hope you have ears to hear. This church is not here to just take up space on Route 40. God has ordained us, planted here, planted us here, and has kept us here for this reason. In these last days when Christianity is no longer looked at, when churches in the neighborhood are no longer really wanted, that you and I must stand up and go back to the old past and see what God has for us to do while we're here in this place. You are. I haven't forced you to come here. I haven't stuck a gun in your back. You have come here by your own, by the leading of the Spirit of God. God has brought you here. And if you feel God has planted you here, and you are growing roots here, then this is part of the commission that God has given us. So there. Now we're ready to start. Okay. Hosea 7, verse 8. Talk about a guy named Ephraim or Ephraim, however you want to say it. Ephraim, now listen, you might sound, uh, what a weird name, but remember Joseph? Everybody knows Joseph in the Word of God. And this was Joseph's second son. This was Joseph's second son. In fact, he was blessed by him and given preference over his first son, Manasseh. So Joseph was this, you know, this great, this, this, this great man of God. And he had this second son called Ephraim who he really shined and blessed. For whatever reason. So Ephraim had every opportunity and every chance to be that which he was called to be. To be a shining example. And here we are in Hosea 7-8. It says to Ephraim, he hath mixed himself among the people. Ephraim is a cake not turned. A cake half done is what this means. New Living uh, Translation, verse 8, same verse says this. The people of Israel have mingled with godless foreigners, making themselves as worthless as a half-baked cake. Who wants to eat a half-baked cake? Now, Beth's got a bunch of cake over there, and I hope if I get a half-baked cake, I know where it's going. No, but it's useless. And God is saying, this is what happens to the people of God when this thing becomes watered down, when it becomes mixed. And you start taking on beliefs that are not in the Word of God. Or you start compromising when God says, do not compromise. You start bowing the things that God says, don't bow to those things. And we become mixed and watered down. And we start to lose our power and influence. And that's what's happened in our nation. People drive by this church. We need to put one of those counters out there like the state does. And just count how many people. Thousands and thousands, if not tens of thousands, drive by this church a week and we cannot fill it. We can't fill it. We're losing our importance. A cake not turned. A cake is burnt on, on one side or unbaked on the other side. So it's uneatable. It's absolutely worthless, just like the state that Ephraim found himself in. Psalms 106.34 says this, They did not destroy the nations concerning whom the Lord commanded them, but were mingled among the heathens and learned their works. That's why God says darkness and light don't mix. Darkness and light cannot mix. It's impossible. Oil and water can't mix. Christianity and those that are not, it can't mix. It's impossible. And America and our nation and everybody's trying to make it all mix one happy every, and it cannot. This country was founded upon the Word of God. 
was founded upon the Lord Jesus Christ being Lord and all our laws, all our morality, everything comes from the Word of God. Now that's all mixed. The Word of God is one of the only books, if not the only book, not permitted in places. We have some of you who go to workplaces that cannot even have, wear a Christian t-shirt. You can wear all kind of filth, but you can't wear a Christian t-shirt. That's because everything's gotten mixed. And all those now that are being raised and all those now that are growing up in this nation think that's the norm. It's not the norm. This nation never used to abort babies. Do you understand that? We never did. Now it's the norm. It's been going on for 40 years, 50,000 children later or whatever it is. So it's just looked at, looked at as the normal. This is where the American church is today. So much of the world is mixed in. We are losing our value, our input into society. We're losing it. We have no voice. Pray for the Salvation Army. Have them go out there, ring those bells and say, Merry Christmas. Is that so hard? You see how ridiculous we have become? How silly, how wishy-washy the church has become? They don't want to offend. We were talking about the other day as we were praying and Jesus says, I am the rock of offense. And now we're into this thing, don't offend. I'm not talking about being rude for rude's sake. I'm talking about standing up for what's true. Standing up for what's right. Standing up for the Word of Almighty God. That's normal Christianity. You're not saying just like Don's. You're not promised to just coast into heaven. You're not promised that they're going to all just, you're just going to have a bowl of cherries and a bed of roses all the way to heaven. People die for the cause of Christ. People suffer for the cause of Christ. Two ladies somewhere in Iran right now with that insane leader somewhere are trying to win people to Christ. They're not guaranteed to hurry up and come here so they can live like you and I. Oh, man, no, we'll ruin them. We'll ruin them. Jeremiah 6.16 says this, Thus saith the Lord, Okay? Stand ye in the ways and see and ask for the old paths. Where is the good way? Walk therein and you shall find rest for your souls. But they said, We will not walk therein. He said, also I have set watchmen over you, saying, hearken to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, we will not hearken. This is the challenge today. Many people are saying, no, we don't want to hear that. We don't want to have you hold our feet to the fire. We don't want to be committed. And so they say, we don't want to hear that. And they stop their ears, or they'll leave church, or they'll go somewhere else, or they'll start their own. But the challenge today is, is can you hear the voice of God calling you in this church to start seeking God like you never have before? Start crying out for those old paths. Even if it's got to be, God, where are they? God, where are they? When they said, we will not. Then the very next verse says this, therefore, therefore, because you said no, get out of my face. I don't want to hear it. Therefore, God says, hear me. Hear you nations and know, O congregation, what is among you? Here, O earth, behold, I will bring evil upon this people, even the fruit of their thoughts, because they have not hearkened unto my words, nor to my law, but rejected it. Thoughts. Fruits of your plans. God says, I'll bring evil. When we reject God's word, we can't even think right. We can't. We'll go in the voting booth and go, yeah, abortion, yeah, but abortion's okay. And you vote yes. To kill some little baby. We don't even think right. 
When we go contrary to the Word of God. And God says, when you do that and you choose your own way over me, you're the fruit of your plans, your thought, your patterns, your counsel, your sitting down, your vote taking. You won't even think right. Proverbs 1.30 says, They would none of my counsel. They despised all my reproof. Therefore shall they eat of the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. How are we doing as a nation? How are we doing since we rejected God's counsel? Now we have generations that don't even believe this is God's counsel. It's all this or that or I don't know. That's just a man, this and that. So how are we doing, America? How are we really doing? How's the church doing? Are we still hitting on all eight cylinders, still walking in the power and the virtues and the holiness of Almighty God? Are we still pushing back the, the, the uh, gates of hell? Are we still reaping the harvest and winning souls like crazy, having moves of God? We're not. We're not. Therefore, we shall eat the fruit of our own ways and be filled with our own devices, God says. This is what's happened to us. And then listen, listen, this is what's happening, and it's leading into even something worse. What could be worse? The presence of God starts to take its hand off us, off our nation. Would I ever think ever in my life I'd see some third world country take out two of our buildings in New York? Hand of God is coming off. The presence of God is backing away. It's the church's fault, not the people. They don't know. It's us. Given you the Scriptures many times, we'll do it again just to make the point. Ezekiel 1.1. Ezekiel sees this unbelievable vision. He says, Now it come to pass in the thirteenth year, in the fourth month, in the fifth day, pretty precise, of the month as I was among the captives by the river of Chibar, that the heavens were opened and I saw visions of God. I saw them. I believe that. I believe in the Word of God. And Ezekiel was sitting somewhere on that month, in that day, by that river, at that moment, and God opened up heaven to him and he saw it. It's what we need now. We need God to open up heaven and show us things. Put the fear of God back in so we quake that we're afraid to move to the holiness of God. And he goes on and says, man, it was as the appearance of a bow that is in the cloud in the day of rain. A rainbow. This huge rainbow. He says, so was the appearance of the brightness round about. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of God. And Ezekiel says, man, when I saw it, I fell on my face. Boom! From the holiness and the power of God. So Ezekiel's being cut up and God is showing him something in his day. It was a weird looking thing. It's hard for us to describe Ezekiel 10.3 just says, Now the cherubim stood on the right side of the house, and when the man went in, and the cloud filled the inner court. And as we go on, you're going to see that this, this, as you read it on your own, and eyes within eyes, wheels within wheels, four faces, it was the glory and the power and the appearance of God. We have a hard time even putting it in words to try to figure out what the glory of God looks like. But the main point was, it was there, it was the glory of God, and it was starting to move. It's moving. It's moving away from our nation. It says here in Ezekiel 10.4, The glory of the Lord went up from the cherubim and stood over the threshold of the house. And the house was filled with the cloud and the court was full of the brightness of the Lord's glory. Stood over the threshold. Back there where our usher is. The threshold. 
It was in the center. It was in the inner, it was in, in, in the court. And now it's moving. This vision that he saw and it goes to the threshold. And as we read and continue to go on, you'll see it, it continues to get further and further and further away. Ezekiel 10, 3 and 4 again in a New Living Translation says the cherubims were standing at the south end of the temple when the man went in and the cloud of glory filled the inner courtyard. And the glory of the Lord rose up from above the cherubim and went over to the door of the temple. And the temple was filled with the glory of God in the temple courtyard. Everywhere the glory of God went, it was filled. But it was leaving. Verse 18, same chapter, I believe. Then the glory of the Lord moved from the door of the temple and hovered about the cherubim. And as I watched, the cherubim flew with their wheels to the east gate of the Lord's temple. And the glory of the God now, Israel, hovered over them. From here to the threshold, now to the gate. Let's say where we put our chain up is where the presence of God is. It's leaving. Ezekiel 11.22 says, Then the cherubim lifted up their wings. This is a, a type of the Spirit of God moving again. And rose into the air with the wheels beside them. And the glory of God of Israel hovered over them. And the glory of the Lord went up from the city and stopped above the mountains to the east. Now it's all the way to the mountains. Somewhere out past east, moving from the house of God, when you and I are supposed to be the light of the world, holding back darkness. No, that doesn't go on in this nation because we're seeking God and we're praying. The light. Verse 24 says, Afterward, the Spirit of God carried me back to Babylon, to the Judeans in exile there, and so ended the vision of my visit to Jerusalem. So this is a, a true vision of the glory of God leaving the house of God. Leaving. Leaving us. And when the presence of God leaves, the Word leaves. Because He is the Word. The next thing you have people coming up here and doing Reader Digest stuff or magazine stuff or some type of story that has nothing to do with the Word. Many churches now are removing the cross. Don't sing about the cross. Sing about the blood. Preach about the cross. Preach about the blood. How's America doing? We have chaplains in the service in the Navy. I think was the last one I heard of. When I pray in the name of Jesus, they threw him out. They threw him out of the United States Navy. Threw him out. Sort of kind of like this, watching this documentary about the golden age of baseball. Man, I missed it. Now, I know it wasn't perfect, and I know things went on. But I missed those years. I missed them times. And they'll never have them back. It wasn't long after that I read an article a while back about the church. And it said this, we need voices from the past. Because our current voices aren't doing it. Voices like Andrew Murray, Corey Tin Boone, Charles Spurgeon. To find our way back to the future. Back to the future. We have to go in the past and see how these guys sought God and how they had such tremendous moves of God. And we don't. Names probably somewhat familiar to you. Jonathan Edwards, John Wesley, Charles Finney, Catherine Booth, Salvation Army lady, Andrew Murray, Evan Roberts, Charles Spurgeon, Fanny Crosby, tons and tons of hymns. Blind lady wrote marvelous hymns. E.M. Bounds, Watchman Nee, A.W. Tozer, William Seymour, A.B. Simpson, Leonard Ravenhill, now David Wilkerson. Voices of the past. They all challenge Christians of their generation to, to, uh, to have repentance and humility in their life. Where's that at? 
Now we have, well, Lenny, Lenny, he always does the announcements. When can I do the announcements? Well, what? That, she sang my song. I always sing that song. What? We need to have the kick out ministry. <laughs> Even for pastors. Exactly. It is so, we are so far from the way it has been done. Listen, these guys understood a realm of spiritual maturity and a depth of character that few of us today even aspire or even know that could be. You guys that hire employees, you can't find anybody that won't lie or steal. How sad is that? They understood the realm of spiritual maturity. They understood that, a spiritual, a deepness. You and I must realize, look, and they preach that sin. Go figure. How rude to be preaching that sin. Well, let me, let me just tell you something. I am a sinner saved by the grace of God. Sinning comes easy to me. In fact, I could tell you something right now because it's still in there. Remember when Jason said, I want to tell you this. You're a bum. You're no good. You're, that's what you really want to say. Cause that stuff's still in us. There's two of me alive. I choose to put that to death and serve God. It hasn't gone away. <clears throat> so look, we must dig for the buried treasures. And God has revealed them to us in this church. And I don't know whether we're ignoring them, we forget about them or whatever. We will never effectively reach our generation if we don't reclaim that humility. That humbleness, true humility and humbleness and brokenness. God only uses broken things. The proud, He resists. He only uses broken things. And we need to have that consecration and that travail in our spiritual forefathers had. That's normal Christianity. we got to get back to this. We've all wavered from it, myself included. Back to travailing and crying out and targeting prayer. Target prayer. Tonight we're meeting because of this. And storm heaven. How about that guy on the phone? Would you have said that? You've already tried. Oh, they might as well try. Jesus doesn't work. Kill yourself next week. If that was me in my office, I'd be going to my secretary. Do I have uh, insurance for saying this? Just like Chase, instead of just trusting God to be able to take care of you. So what's the secret, man? It's, it's not that. What's the secret of these great Christians who left their legacies buried in their books? Forget the bookstores. I, I don't think they even carry these books anymore. You could probably find them on the Internet. Somewhere. They considered humility. They considered selflessness. Selflessness. Empty of self. Selflessness. And sacrifice. They considered humility, selflessness, and sacrifice the crowning virtues of the Christian journey. Not, I'm here to get what I want. I'm here to get what's due me. What? Where did that come from? That stuff comes from the flesh. From a fallen nature. Not from a spiritual nature. They called the church to die to selfishness. To die to it. You know what? Take up your cross. You understand what the cross is? It's an instrument of death. They asked us to, to die of greed and ambition. Man, you see those people uh, on, the, on the red carpet. You know, all those things going off. They're doomed. They're doomed. 
They're full of so much pride and self. I don't know if they could ever see the wretchedness of their sin, how far they are from God, because how we pump them up. Greed and ambition and money and fame and do this. Total opposite is the walk with God. God says you're to have no reputation. The way up is down. Christ said, you know, I've come to serve and to die. And then he looks at us and goes, what? Follow me. And we're not anymore. We're not. But that's normal Christianity. Normal. Told the men on our man-to-man meeting a few years back, I had this statistic that there was like 1,160 births in Muskingum County and 600 of them were without fathers. We're doomed without a move of God. We are. And the other 400 that had fathers are probably not too. Because it's only God that tells, that has a man become a man. To know how to become a man. To what it means to be a man. It's God that's wired us to be a man. Wired you ladies to be a lady before he even placed you in the womb. He knew who you were and wired you that way. They saw the glories in the kingdom of God like we've never saw it before. And they demanded total surrender. Total surrender to God. Not to me. Not to new hope. To God. They challenged God's people to pursue obedience. Even if it hurts. Hebrews 5.8 says, this is about your Lord, says, Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. That works. I, I heard the story my dad told. I think it was about my sister. Open flame. That's how they used to heat way back in the days. And she would go over and want to touch it and all that kind of stuff. And going, oh, no, 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 no. And she's like two or three. I don't know how old she was. So my dad just took her hand and put it real quick on the side. She learned. She wasn't scarred for life. No one had to call this brutal father. He just touched and learned. And God, you learn from suffering. You learn through these trials and situations that you go through. Christ endured the cross for he knew the fruit that was going to come from it. 1 Corinthians 3.11 says, For other foundation can no man lay that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And we're trying that. We're trying all different kind of foundations other than Christ in our nation. And we never used to try that. We never did that. When you came here, you were speaking English and you knew we were Christian. You knew it. Now all that is gone. You can't take Christ's gospel and change it and build on what he, we think and expect it to fly. You can't. You can't. I, I wish that would be like taking a valuable Rembrandt painting. Setting it up here, value, you know how they're going to be millions of dollars. Scratching his name off and putting your name on. You ruined it. It's ruined. And that's what's happened to the gospel. We're trying to scratch the Lord's name off and put a denomination on it or put our way on it or the church about me on it. It's ruined. It's useless. This unbelievable Rembrandt that I could have made five million from is now useless. 
would make a lot more impact if it was yours. If it was your Rembrandt and I went to scratch it off, you'd knock me over for a loop because you know how valuable it is. Well, here's our Rembrandt. Now we have people saying, that's not real, and that's not new, and it's full of stories and contradictions. And Well, how are we doing, America? How are we doing, church? Seriously, really. What's the average thought of a guy about church? I ain't going there because all he wants is my... And you can't blame him for half of what they see. But what you see and what they see on TV, look at me, isn't church. It's not. It's a business. The Rembrandt is absolutely of no value. None whatsoever. Ephesians 2.20 says this, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles, the prophets, Jesus Christ Himself being the chief cornerstone. We have kicked and kicked and kicked and kicked and we've moved the cornerstone. What happens when the cornerstone? Everything goes down. And now we got this rubble and people going by and saying, that's church. They're not even interested. And that which is left going through the rubble, we've got to do it. We've got to pick it back up and start. Remember Don's song? God said, I haven't promised you all this wonderful stuff, but I'll be by your side. I'll be fighting with you as you do it. Let's spend the remaining life and freedom that we have rebuilding the kingdom of God. Let's go for it like these men of God have showed us. Let's dig out the treasures and the pathways and go for it. Let's do it as a group. Even their hymns were unbelievable. Their hymns. Uh, was I think it was a rod about two or three weeks, maybe a month and a half ago from now, started saying, mm-hmm, play some hymns. I'm like, play them. Learn them and play them. Because look, they had such a level of consecration that's foreign to us in worship today. It is. It's, it's foreign. It's absolutely foreign. They sang about the cross and its wonder. You remember those old songs? They worship, their worship focused on the blood and its power. They sang words like this. Heart-piercing, convicting words. Some of these words would go, My richest gain I count but loss. Now we have people serving God to get. And this hymns years ago, Richard, my, my richest gain I count but lost. Took the one cruise of my life last year and we're over this ocean somewhere and have this thing in your room telling you how deep. And I'm going... It's pretty deep out there. And I thought of the hymn. What hymn would I have thought of? Yeah. It is well with my soul. You remember the guy? I forget who was an American and who wasn't. But his daughters, three daughters or four daughters and wife was coming to him and the ship sunk. And they all died except the wife. She wrote back, Oh, lost but me. What do I do? And he came on the ship to go get on the other side and about the place where his daughters died, he penned that song. It is well with my soul. Oh man, we'd have been throwing everything off the ship and thumbing our nose to God. we got to get back to what these folks have had. Back so we can go to the future. 
Unbelievable. Another thing they wrote, and pour contempt on all my pride. Pour contempt on it, God. On my pride. Pray those prayers. Pray those prayers to God. Another one says, forbid it, Lord, that I should boast. Oh my gosh. As soon as I'm done, I'll be right here and I'll sign your Bibles. <laughs> Mighty man of valor. You hang in there, Nolan, you'll be like me. They do that. Have you seen it? They do it. And these guys have wrote hymns, Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast, save in the death or accept in the death of Christ my God. In the books that Christians write today, you'll be very hard, hard-pressed to find anything about brokenness, anything about humility and repentance and brokenness. No, they just won't do it. I mean, you're not even allowed to use red ink on some kid's test paper in school anymore, are you? Just red ink will make them feel like... When you should take them and say, look, man. Dad, he gets red ink. You should... I don't care if it's red, blue, green, or something. If an F looks like an F, or however they say it now, or what? Not satisfactory or something. How silly we have become. We've become so silly. And the church is right there with it. Psalms 34, 18 says, The Lord is nigh, listen, nigh, near unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit, bruised and crushed spirit, close to them that have a broken heart. Not a, not doing myself, I don't need nothing. This is church is stupid. It's just a crutch. Then go ahead. All I say is, how we doing? What do they say? The proof's in the pudding. How we doing? How's America doing? You like the direction it's going? You like the morality in America? You like the things you see? Father shoots five kids. And, well, no, it was our, our own governor said, no way. The guy's not getting out. It was what, 82? He shot his three sons and his, did he shoot his wife too? She was divorcing him and he shot all his children. He's been in jail since 84 and they're going to um, capital punishment this week or something. We're insane. We're insane without God. These voices from the past will help point the way. Find some of those books. Find Leonard Ravenhill's book, Why Revival Tarries. Find these Watchman Nee books. Read them again as you pray. Don't let them take the place of the Bible, please. Rediscover the riches. Rod and Shauna and dude, put some of those hymns. Find them. Go for them. Add them to our worship. Help us. Rediscover those songs. Micah 3.7 says, Even from the days of your fathers, you are gone from my ordinances. Now listen, and have not kept them. This is what God says to us today. Return unto me, and I will return unto you. This is the great promise. Return, which is not like, oh, sucks, we've ruined it, we're done, we're no. No, all you got to do is return. Baseball's ruined, yes. But not this, not the church. We serve a living God. And He tells you, if you return unto Me, I'll return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But you said, wherewithal shall we return? How shall we return? Let's just repent and say, God, I'm in need of you. We're messed up. I'm messed up. He's messed Whatever. What great words. Great hope. Church. As glooming, as despairing, and as crazy the church looks in the world and our government and our nation. And God says, return to me, and I'll return to you. 
How awesome is that? But as always, you're the key. You can tell God to hit the road, and He will. You're the key. As we wind us, wind us down, just, I can't help but think of the prodigal. Remember the prodigal son living with his father. He said, give me everything I want. Went out righteous living and spent it all. Ended up sitting in the field, probably all dirty, filthy, looking like a homeless guy on the exit, eating with the pigs. The Bible says. And then all of a sudden he goes, what on earth am I doing? Bible says that he came to himself. And he said, I'm going to go back to my father and tell him I have sinned against you. And I'm no longer worthy to be your son. I'll serve you. I'll just be your servant. And he heads back, probably smelly and dirty and broke and maybe torn clothes. And the greatest thing is what happens. This is the condition of the church. We've gone our own way, spent our own stuff on riotous living. We find ourselves now sitting in a field with pigs, false doctrine, no move of God, no power, hardly any presence, no influence, no voice in the community. Can't one of us say, what are we doing? Let's go back. That's all it starts with. That starts the whole thing. Let's go back. And you start back, not in your best. The world has chewed you up, spit you out. The world's used all your money. And he comes back and says, I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. Listen to this. But when he was yet a great way off. God wasn't sitting there pretending he didn't see him. He said, when he gets to my front door, I'll just just tell him, go to your room. No, I mean, his, his son was so overwhelmed with life and scars, and he took that turn and started walking back to his father, and the enemy screaming at him not to turn back, keep coming. And when God looked and saw him, here's the key, a great way off. All we got to do is turn. And God will see it a great way off. Man, and what happened? God saw His church beat up from false doctrines and lies and lousy preachers and pastors that have misled them and have come to their senses and said, this can't be right! This can't be church! And they make the turn. And the Father who's looking, looking, Sees it. He's moved with compassion and runs after his son. Doesn't see if he's going to be wayward again or turn back. He runs after him. God will run after us. When he was yet a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion, and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Church. All we got to do is turn back and say, you know what? We're tired of this mixing. We're tired of what we see. Our nation is dying. It's on life support. <laughs> Our nation is. It is. Last verse, look. Second Chronicles 16.9 says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show Himself strong on behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward Him. Hey, hey, look. 
That means the Lord is looking right now. The Lord's eyes are running up and down these pews right here. Is there someone? Is there someone going to turn back? The Lord's looking. That's what the Word says. His eyes looking to and fro to show Himself strong. Man, if this church turned to God. Is anybody ready to start back? We look a mess. I know it. Squabbling sometimes and bickering and church splits and people say, man, if that's church, I don't want to go. I understand we look a mess, but so the prodigal. God was moved with compassion and he ran to us. He ran. Let's stand, please. We're not done ministering. We're looking for people who are going to want to turn. Whether you've been saved two weeks or 22 years. We're looking for people who are saying, you know, I, I get a witness to this. this is, our nation is messed up. The church is unheard of. The only thing going on in the church seems to be scandals. Let's turn back. You find those old books. Dig them out. Study them and read them. Get in the Word. Start coming. When we pray, seek God on Wednesday. Seek God on Saturday and see what God does to the point where we can be bold as God and say, Jesus, don't help you this week. Go ahead and kill yourself next week. And watch what God... What did it say on the, the next morning? She sees her crippled mom walking down the hall. That's just not for foreign countries. God is no respecter of persons. He'll do that here. That's our altar call. If you want to turn back, say, God, I'm coming a mess, all torn up, but I'm coming. I'm turning back. God, I want to get back to the future. I'm going to go back to get to the future, Lord. That's our ultimate.